Have you ever known somebody that's a born leader? Or do you know anyone that's been blessed with just a beautiful voice? And you would say, you know what? That person was born to sing. Have you ever witnessed the heartache that develops when people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, what they were born to do? There's definitely a difference between being chosen than being called and being chosen. The, not, the, the uh, name of my message is many are called, but few are chosen. And you know, when Christ uttered those words, many are called and few are chosen in Matthew 22, he wasn't offering us an opinion or a probability. He was stating a fact. The fact is still true today that when it's stated that even though uh, while the scripture refers to salvation, the principle also refers to our calling as a Christian, to our Christian service. Many Christians are called to his service, but few are chosen and appointed to walk in that service. And some are called to childhood, and some are called late in life. Normally, it's a little bit on the earlier side. But between the time when a Christian is first called to service and the time when he's actually appointed by God to that service, there's always a time of testing. I mean, look at Joseph and what he had to walk through. And Pastor Rob, I'll tell you, from the time you were called until the time you fulfilled it, it's probably been some time and some testing. Often, more responsibility, the more responsibility required in the service to which a Christian is called, the more intense the testing will be that we've got to pass. Only those who successfully endure the testing will be chosen to actually carry out the service. And in the book of Judges, when Gideon first blew the trumpet to call the people of Israel to God's service, do you remember how many men he had? He had 32,000. We just looked at this two weeks ago. When he blew the horn... How many people responded? How many people were called? 32,000. Here they all come. We're here. You remember what, what Gideon said? Those of you that are tired or don't want to go, go home. And where'd they go? They went home. By the time Gideon had subjected his followers to the test that God had appointed, he was left with 300 men, less than 1% of those that were called passed the test and were chosen for his service. Remember two weeks ago, I even made the statement, would you have been the one that was lapping it up like a dog or would you have had your head stuck in the water? I always like to ask myself that, which one would I have been? Or would I have been one of the ones that went home early? I didn't make it to the river. You know, I think that we would all say we all have some tendencies to do both. Would you agree? Has anybody here ever fallen short? Amen. Nevertheless, God's wisdom was justified by the event. Gideon was able to do more with 300 tested disciplined men than he could have ever done with 32,000 unchosen, uncalled men, un unchosen men. Once again, the same applies today. One tested, trained, disciplined, self-denying servant of Christ is worth a hundred Christians who are merely members of a group or organization. So much modern evangelism centers in counting converts, but I want you to know, I believe God is also concerned in making disciples. Jesus, when he left the earth, could have numbered his converts by the thousands 
But in his last hours before the cross, he was left with 11 that followed him, that remained disciples. Even after his resurrection, he revealed himself on one occasion to over 500 people and told them where to go. Do you remember? You go up to that upper room. And how many made it? 120. Have you ever wondered, would I have gone? Or would I have been too busy? I've fallen on both sides of that fence. Only 120. And he warned them that they could not be effectual. They could not be of effect until they got what he had for them to get in that upper room. True progress of God's kingdom has always depended upon quality rather than quantity. And it's time for us to emphasize that fact today. There are two main ways, of, two main types of testing that I'm going to go into, and these are just very clear. It's not like I'm just uh, parting the Red Sea here, but there are those things that God allows us to go through that are hard and those things that we go through that are easy. In the parable of the sower in Mark 4, Jesus spoke of the seed that fell on stony ground and compared it to Christians who endured only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution came, uh, for the word's sake, immediately they stumbled. But he also spoke of the seed that fell on the thorns and compared it to Christians in whom the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering choked the word, and it became unfruitful. Some Christians are not ready, not prepared to endure opposition, persecution, ridicule, loneliness, poverty, or apparent failure for the sake of the gospel. Others can't remain steadfast in the midst of worldly ease and comfort, popularity, wealth, and success. Those whom God accepts for his service must neither be deterred by the one or entangled by the other. And let me tell you, with, with the position of pastor comes very difficult, a very difficult road at times and a time of um, the spotlight shining on you. And sometimes you want to grab that glory and you've got to be careful. The Bible continuously warns Christians that they must expect to undergo testing. Does everybody realize that? You haven't missed God because you're going through a test. God says you're going to go through it. And in fact, if you'll go through it correctly, you'll come out better than you started. The end of the road of testing always leads to blessing God's way. Always. If you don't do it God's way, it leads to the opposite. But if you'll do it God's way, you will come out better, no matter how tough the test may be. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces Patience. Can I just say testing produces? Testing produces. It'll either show that you're, you're ready or you're not. That's what testing's for. Are you ready for the next grade? Are you ready for the promotion? Are you ready to take the call that God's called upon you? God's a good God. Peter writes, the trials come only in 1 Peter chapter 7. Trials come only to test your faith. To show that it's strong and pure. This is the New Living. I bet this is in uh, New King James. That's okay. Just follow me. I'm going to read New Living. To show that it is strong and pure. 
It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day which Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I love the one little word that's in there about gold. Mere gold. Do you see how God sees us and our faith that we're tested? Our faith is more, far more precious to God than mere gold. What's God saying? Gold? Faith. I respond to faith, not gold. Not your bank account. Faith. Intense trials are not something strange for the true Christian. They are God's own appointment. The Bible also gives us many pictures of God's faithful servants and the testings that they have to pass. One of the classic examples is Job. And in Job chapter 23, we read Job's own testimony concerning his testing. Job 23.10 says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What a word. Another servant of God that went through testing was Jeremiah. And when Jeremiah was a very young man, God called him. In fact, Jeremiah himself thought that he was too young. It even says it in Jeremiah 1.6. One of the most difficult trials for a young Christian people to endure is loneliness. Faithfulness to God holds them apart from the empty worldly pleasures and activities which they see others of their age indulging. They feel themselves detached and cut off. Lamentations chapter, 20, chapter 3 verse 27. Jeremiah describes this test. He says, it is good for a man to bear the yoke. In his youth, let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Jeremiah endured this particular test. Like Job, Jeremiah drew his strength and endured from his attitude to God's word. This was his mark as a true servant of God. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Another great servant of God that went through testing is Moses. And he learned to endure. His first test was that of worldly rank and pleasure. You know, he was brought up in the king's house. He could have remained in the king's house. And he was heir he was an heir presumptive to Pharaoh's throne. He could have enjoyed the wealth, the culture, the luxury of Egypt. But when he, when he refused to yield to this temptation, he wasn't just rejected by Pharaoh, he was rejected by his own people. And he had to endure 40 years of exile and poverty and loneliness. But he overcome those, overcame those trials and never allowed the, the appeal of temporary faith temporary wealth and glory to blind him of the true glory of God and the eternal reward that God offers. God even offered to him to start all over with him. 
And Moses said, no, God. You said you would take care of these people. You know what? That's the heart of a pastor. He did not allow the glory to land on him, but he sat back and he told the Lord, Lord, this is what you said. You said you would take care of these people. And what did God do? He did. He heard Moses. Hebrews says that Moses endured because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 26, Moses endured because he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Today, so many Christians are being blinded by the, blinded to the true glory and eternal reward of what the real Christian service is, but also being blinded by the prospects of worldly comfort and success. Now, as we turn to the weight of the call, the heaviness of the call, the Bible uses three words concerning the call, the calling of God. First, it is a high calling. It's on a different level from all the other interests and claims of life. In a Christian's life, nothing else may take precedence over the calling of God, neither a home, nor a family, nor earthly ties. Luke chapter 14 verse 26 says, If you want to be my follower, you must love me more than your own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Secondly, the call to serve God is a holy calling. You remember the first one? It was a high calling. Now we look at a holy calling from 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's something sacred to be guarded jealously from all compromise or defilement. It demands a dedicated time of prayer and spiritual self-emptying. Its fulfillment demands our strength, our time, and the consecration and development of every gift and talent that we possess. And finally, first, the high calling, second, the holy calling, thirdly, God call, God's call is a heavenly calling. The voice that calls us to Christian service comes from heaven, whether it's a still small voice or the sounds of many waters. It's the voice of God Almighty. His voice has supreme authority and is worthy of unconditional obedience. Do you know there's not much that's worthy of unconditional obedience? But God's word, his calling, his voice is worthy of unconditional obedience. When Paul heard the call of God, he said he did not rush out to consult with anyone else. He didn't seek confirmation or permission from the religious leaders of his nation. Can you imagine what they would have said to him? We know what they would have said to him. Their, their hands are still bloody from killing Christ. He didn't seek confirmation or permission. Or even from those who were already apostles of Christ, he got alone with God. To know, the full, to know God's full purpose for his life. You know, people have come to me before, just as a side note, 
and have asked my advice. And if you know anything about me, you ask my advice, I'm going to give it. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what I think is right. The last thing I want to do is let you go down the wrong road. But I'm going to tell you what I think the truth is. According to God's word and what's in my spirit, um, and I'm careful to say it, I, 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 won't, I won't give my opinion real, real quickly. But I gave my opinion to someone and the person responded, the Lord told me to do this. You know what my response was? What are you doing sitting here talking to me? Once that phrase comes out of your mouth, you know what? My opinion is, is over. Done. You know it's God? You go do that. I can say that wholeheartedly, even if it's totally against what I just said. Have you ever played Rook? The red one just got laid down on my card. Or if you play with the Rook being the top card, the Rook just took it all. Done. God's voice, God's word. I believe you to be a man that hears God's word. Go do that. Don't ask anybody else because they'll talk you out of it. Amen? God's word. You can respond quickly to God's word. Today when God's call calls Christians to specific ministry, the first reaction is to want to go get opinions of others. Who will send me? Who will finance me? And as a result, God's voice gets drowned out by the opinions and by the mountains that want to come after you. Do you remember? I've said this over and over. Don't tell God how big your mountain is. Tell the mountain how big your God is. But to the Christian who is called and who is willing to put all his confidence in God, there comes a blessed assurance from God's own word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. What does that mean? When he calls you, he's faithful. He's going to see it through, but he's not just going to see it through. He's going to do it through you. It doesn't say he's going to push you out there and let you go do your thing. Nope, he's going to do it. God goes with you. God's with me, hallelujah. You know, he, re he rejected Jesus on the cross so that he would never have to reject me. He had to separate himself with Jesus once and for all when he identified with his sins so that he would never have to separate himself from you. Never. Kids, when you receive Christ, Christ will never leave you. Never. Jesus paid that price so that he would, you would never be treated like Jesus was treated. Never. The fulfillment of a Christian calling depends supremely and solely upon God himself. And finally, the calling of God is urgent. When Joshua put before the Israelites the call to the service of God, he said, choose this day. I don't have time to wait for you tomorrow. Choose right now which way you're going. Choose this day with whom you'll serve. Psalm 95.7 says, oh, that you would listen to his voice today. The call of God does not wait upon man's convenience we may not defer our decision to surrender to him to some, some more convenient season. The devil says tomorrow, God says today. I will take care of you today. Proverbs chapter 1, 
verse 24 through 32, there's a solemn warning against deferring to answer the call of God. It describes people who in their prosperity and self-sufficiency turn away from the call of God. In fact, later when they change their minds and turn back to seek God, it's too late. God had withdrawn himself. The voice that once called is now silent, and the hour of opportunity is past. Whether his calling is general or specific, let me encourage you. Heed his call. Take it seriously. Endure his test. Dedicate yourselves to being about the business of heaven. Don't become one of the other names that, where the many were chosen. Many were called, but never chosen. 